This is episode 150 with two-time Big Ten champion in the steeplechase and mile, a Division I All-American, and now a pro runner for Wazelle in Bend, Oregon, Ms. Madeline Strandamo. Welcome back to the Strength Running Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Fitzgerald, and I'm excited that you're here. We have a great episode with a rising star in the running world. But first, I want to welcome all of our new listeners. Over the last week or so, the podcast has been in the top two running podcasts in the entire United States, and in particular, the big hydration episode with Andy Blow, episode 147, was incredibly popular. If you are new to the show, The goal of the Strength Running Podcast is to give you new ideas, tools, and strategies for improving your running, whether you'd like to run your first trail race, compete in an ultra marathon, set a PR, or avoid your next big injury. I'll be bringing you the leaders in the fitness industry to help you reach more of your big running goals, from elite runners like Madeline today, sports psychologists, strength experts, running coaches, best-selling authors, and physical therapists who can help you make your running dream become a reality. Because I believe that knowledge is a competitive advantage. The more you understand the sport, the better decisions you'll make about your training. Don't miss our other 149 episodes, our video channel on YouTube, or our home base, strengthrunning.com, where you can find our training programs, detailed guides on everything from injury prevention to running for beginners, to how you can build the mental skills to help make you a focused, confident, and mentally tough athlete. Now, let me thank our sponsor, Path Projects. Over the last couple months, I've gotten more and more running gear from Path, and right now, as I'm recording this, I'm dressed head-to-toe in all Path gear. It's fast becoming my favorite brand of running gear simply because of their high-quality shorts, liners, and t-shirts. In particular, I've just started wearing their shorter 3-inch Sykes shorts, and they're a little different from the 5-inch shorts. The material is thinner and lighter, which is perfect in a performance short, and they're obviously shorter. I'm not sure if my wife thinks they're too scandalous or really, really loves them, (laughs) but I'm wearing them constantly. Please check out all of their award-winning products at pathprojects.com. Let's move on to our guest for today, Ms. Madeline Strandamo. She's a 2018 graduate of the University of Minnesota, where she was on three Big Ten championship teams. She was an All-American and she's a two-time Big Ten individual champion in the indoor mile and the 3,000-meter steeplechase. She's now living in Bend, Oregon, coached by Lauren Fleshman and sponsored by Wazelle. It's obviously a challenging time to be an elite runner with no competitions planned, and being a relatively new pro runner in the COVID era is even more challenging. Our conversation today is about how Madeline is handling her training right now, her goals for the fall and 2021, how she's staying focused and mentally engaged with her training, and how you can learn from her experiences. We also discuss one of my favorite, if not my absolute favorite, track and field event, the 3K Steeplechase. Some of you know that I ran the steeple a long time ago, and I'm very fond of the steeplechase and steeple people. The training that goes into this event is a bit different, so we'll discuss that and the general progression of what it takes to hurdle a barrier at 515 mile pace. Without further delay, please enjoy my conversation with Miss Madeline Strandamo. Madeline, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. 
So I want to start with a big congratulations. You moved to Bend uh, about two years ago, Bend, Oregon, and you signed with Wazell. How does it feel to be starting your running career? You're sort of at the beginning of it right now in such a crazy time. I mean, what are you working towards right now? It definitely is a crazy time, and I'm very thankful that I did not graduate this spring because I really feel for the athletes that were sort of robbed of their last experience and are trying to get contracts in this sort of landscape. Um, But I think we're all in the same boat, and there is not a ton on the calendar to be working for in the immediate future. Um, I myself don't have any races on the calendar but um, I'm, I'm just trying to think more about 2021 and keeping my long-term goals in sight um, because that's just what's keeping me motivated right now. Yeah, I think uh, th- that's certainly relatable to every other runner out there. You know, we just found out maybe a week or two ago that uh, the Chicago Marathon is canceled. So there's basically, uh, I think all five of the marathon majors have been canceled at this point. So for a lot of folks, there's just not much going on in the running space right now. So I think it's it's encouraging to hear a pro talk about exactly the same thing. And, you know, I think all of us, when we think about our running and our training and what we're moving toward and working toward, um, it's 2021 and, and hopefully at some point during the year, we'll be able to resume, you know, normal activity, but you know, how do you focus on 2021 when we're recording this in July of 2020 and what are you doing now to set yourself up for success, uh, next year, even though that's kind of far away? Yeah. Um, it's definitely really far away. Um, and I don't know. I feel like there's just not really a lot of certainty in the short term. And so when this all went down, I had a meeting with my coach, Lauren Fleshman, and we just sort of talked about what made sense for me right now. And for me, that was going back to some base training for a few months. And so that's sort of what I'm doing right now. And I know that pros are doing all different types of things right now, setting up time trials, setting up races. But for me, I just wanted to get back to some consistency and build a base so that I have that going into 2021. Um, But we also have talked about doing some time trial type events in the fall as well. And so I think that's been helpful for me to kind of break it into phases like that and do the base mode a little bit right now and then shift gears and hopefully do some more time trial type stuff in the fall. But honestly, I just feel really lucky that I'm in a sport that I can still train and be outside. I mean, and get to do that because there's sports like swimming and basketball and volleyball that weren't and maybe still aren't able to do any of that right now. So I just feel really lucky that I'm in this sport. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, another point for running. If I know we're all keeping yeah. track. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, you know, it sounds like you and, and a lot of your teammates are really focusing on the fundamentals. You know, you're trying to, even though in a time where nothing is the same as it was four or five months ago, you're trying to make things as normal as possible. So you're focusing on the fundamentals of you know, base training or setting up time trials to sort of uh, 
imitate what a race situation would be like. And I, I think that's always a good mindset to have when we're in a period of high uncertainty is what are the fundamentals that I can work on that always benefit me? You know, a big base phase and, you know, really work on your uh, aerobic fitness. You know, that is always going to be beneficial for you later on in the future. And of course, racing is the sport itself, right? So time trials are, are, you know, the thing where you can test your fitness and see where you're at. So I really like that. And I think it's a very productive approach. Yeah. And I think that with all the cancellations of road races and, you know, even if you're not a professional, just like finding something that is motivating for you right now is really important. And for me, that was going back to some base training, but I know for even some of my teammates, they did not want to do that. And they wanted to capitalize on some of the track workouts that they've done and wanted to test that in a time trial. And so I think anybody can go out and do that, even if it's just going out and trying to get the crown on a Strava segment. I don't know, <laughs> just finding stuff like that, that like keeps you motivated and putting stuff on your own calendar. If there's not anything out there on race calendars. Well, I think the silver lining of this whole situation is the fact that runners can kind of take a step back from the normal schedule and rhythm of things and either work on their weaknesses or they can work on something that they love, whether that's, you know, running really hard in a time trial or a race situation or working on their base, you know, or it's trying something totally new, whether that's, you know, maybe I'm going to try running super high mileage or trail running for the first time. There's just so many different options. And Maybe the silver lining is that, you know, this period offers runners uh, some extra time to focus on what they love or what will actually make them into better runners. And that to me is, is a little bit comforting. Definitely. And I've done some of the things that you just mentioned myself, like in this base training mode, I've been able to build up my volume to levels that I have not been able to touch since college and that's really great for me to get back to to that and have some consistency but also using this time to go out and explore some trails like that's something that I usually am not able to do and I live in beautiful Bend Oregon and if people aren't familiar it's an outdoor wonderland with tons and tons of trails we're right next to the the Cascade Mountains and usually I would steer clear of that just because um, I played basketball and soccer in high school and so I have really bad ankles. And so it's sort of a risk factor for me to be running on trails, but I've definitely been able to do more of that right now. And I am loving that. So I think that's cool too, to try to do some of those things that usually wouldn't be able to do. It would be a real tragedy if you lived in Bend and you never went and ran on the trails because it's absolutely gorgeous there. And, you know, I'm someone, I live in Denver, Colorado, and that would be like me never going into the mountains for a trail run. It's like, oh, you're just not taking advantage of all these beautiful resources just right out your door. Yeah. I mean, it's just tough because usually in the summertime when all the snow is melted on the trails up in the mountains, that's when we're in super specific track training mode. Um, so it makes it a little difficult to work it into the training as often as we'd like. But uh, it's been really fun this summer to get into more of that. And we, as a team, collectively have definitely been more excited about getting out on the trail. So that's been super fun for us. 
Yeah, that's awesome. And do you think the combination of you doing more mileage than you've ever done before? I think I saw on your Instagram profile, you know, you ran your longest long run ever, you know, within the last couple of weeks. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that's awesome. Do you think the combination of that, plus the fact that you're just having all this fun doing trail running and you're in bend and, you know, kind of just experiencing uh, new things in your training, do you think that is going to, you know, mentally prepare you for a huge 2021 where you're just ready to go, you know, your mindset's right, physically, you're, you know, maybe even a whole new runner, you're just totally more capable. How is that going to affect your mindset? I mean, I hope that all those things happen that you just said, boosting me into 2021. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if that happened. I, I really do think it's important right now, though, to do whatever it is that um, you want to do individually. I was just up in Seattle for a few weeks. My fiance lives up there and um, I was with some of the Brooks Beasts and one of them was just talking to me and we were talking about how weird it is to train right now. And he was telling me about how some the beasts are all doing different things right now too. And he just said something that he, he just said, like, I think you should be doing whatever it is you want to be doing and whatever it is that's fun for you right now. Um, and I think that's so true because it's just such a weird time and there's no point in grinding out track workouts if that's not what's doing it for you right now. And so I think that that made me feel really reassured about my decision to kind of go on a different path than my teammates right now. And as you mentioned, I, I hope that that kind of catapults me into a really good year in 2021. Yeah, for sure. Now, Madeline, I was going to ask you about, you know, the mental aspect of training right now, considering that there, you know, really aren't too many races, but, you know, it sounds like the fact that all this pressure that has been removed from the equation here and the fact that, you know, you're not putting pressure on yourself, there's no pressure of races. How do you think that's contributing to, you know, your mental health with regard to running right now? Is or is it just easier to run because no one's expecting you to, you know, be doing all those hard workouts that you maybe don't want to be doing and you have a little bit more control over your training? Yeah, it it definitely is helping a lot right now and I feel really lucky that Um, I don't have a contract that is forcing me into having a certain number of races this year, because I know that there's some athletes that are struggling with that right now. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's not just been all like sunshine and rainbows though, either. I've definitely struggled on the mental side of this to get to sort of this point that I'm at right now. Like when this all first hit, my teammates and I were actually in Flagstaff, Arizona. And we were there for an altitude camp and we were planning on hitting some super hard training and, you know, getting into more specific track sessions as we were gearing up for races. But then so you can imagine what kind of headspace we were in, you know, getting super focused. But then of course, you know, shortly after that, the Olympics were postponed and then the Olympic trials were postponed and, you know, it's looking like we weren't going to really have a season. And so, we're all in Flagstaff, Arizona, like, what the heck are we doing here? You know, like, the like whiplash going from the headspace of getting super focused and geared up for the Olympic trials to like, 
uh, do we take a break now? Um, <laughs> and we were all really disappointed, um, feeling like, you know, what the heck are we supposed to do now? But, but, um, I think that going through that and then having the discussions with my coach was what really helped me get into the better mental headspace that I'm in now. So that's been, that's been really huge. And then also, I mean, quite honestly, I think that as an athlete, I'm definitely going to benefit from the extra year going into the Olympic trials. Unfortunately, I've had a rocky first couple of years. It's just sort of been riddled with injuries and just random flare ups. And so I am definitely planning on using this next year to my advantage. Yeah. And let's talk about that next year. Hopefully you can get back to your event of choice, the steeplechase. Um, I have an affinity for the steeple, uh, and steeple people because I got into this event during my own senior year of college. I've only been able to race three of them ever, but I just fell in love with this event. It's just such a, you know, it's like the craziest track event that, that exists. I think, (laughs) um, Do you think you're going to be focusing on the steeple at at this stage of your career, which I might say is the early part of your running career? Yes, that is my plan right now is to continue focusing on the steeplechase at the 2021 trials. That being said, I have not raced the steeplechase due to, as I mentioned, all the injuries and stuff that I've had. Um, I haven't raced the event since USA's in June of 2018. So it's been over two years. Um, but that's why I'm really hoping to get a time trial on the calendar, um, for the steeple, hopefully this fall. Oh, this fall. That'd be very exciting. Is yeah. there, uh, how are, how are, you know, these, uh, groups, you know, these elite groups, how are they working out time trials and racing? Is it no fans and they kind of just set it up with uh, a very socially distanced kind of a structure? How does that all work? Yeah, so I think everybody is tackling it a little bit differently, which is also important because everyone in the country is at a different stage with COVID and has different um, state regulations going on. But within my team, we have just done time trials for some of my teammates just within our own team, which makes it really easy because then there's like three or four people there, um, which isn't, which is completely compliant with what bend um has in place but um last week actually my teammates raced at an event the bigger friendly and that was an oregon event and um just brought in some regional athletes and it was pretty extreme everybody there was of course required to wear a mask except while they were racing so um even doing warm-ups and stuff people were required to wear masks and we had to be tested or we had to get COVID tests the week of the event. The athletes needed to get two tests and um, coaches and support staff had to get one test in order to enter. So yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty crazy just logistically getting to the start line right now. Um, But I think that that is a good standard to set because we don't want to send the wrong message that we have some, you know, exception to the rules and, so I'm really glad that the events are starting to do that and setting that standard. Yeah, that's, I think, a really good point. Now, you know, you mentioned doing a steeplechase time trial sometime this fall. Is there a general hesitation to 
steeple running the steeplechase too often because you know I, I think in in my mind at least it is a riskier event because of um, you know all the jumping and the potential accidents that could happen from an injury perspective. So do you generally try not to run them too frequently? Yeah, I think so. Um, in college, I usually tried to run just a handful a season, but I also like to race other events too. So I think that played into some of that decision-making, but yeah, in general, the steeple is really hard on your body. And so you don't want to be lining up for a steeple every week. I think it's kind of like a 10 K, you know, you just, you can't, can't be doing that (laughs) every single week. No, for sure. That'll, that'll leave you feeling quite beat up. Uh, now of course, most runners will probably never run a steeple. They're just not very common outside these big track meets, but you know, because I've experienced it, I know that the training that goes into it can still be very helpful for almost any runner. So I'm curious, what kind of specific work do you do to prep for the steeplechase? And, you know, maybe that's running specific work, uh, but then also stuff that you do that isn't actually running. Yeah, there is a lot of stuff outside of just running and running workouts that I do for steeple. I do a ton of hip flexibility and hip strengthening um, year round. And you're right. That type of work is definitely helpful for any runner. And then as I get closer to the outdoor season, I start adding in more specific, um, hip drills and hurdling type drills. And then as I get closer to races, it, I add in more, uh, like steeple specific workouts. So that would have water jumps or hurdles within the workout too. But a big part of it is definitely the hip flexibility, hip strengthening, strength, strength training, all that kind of stuff um, is a, it's a big, big part of my training. How much time do you think you'd say you spend doing the drills, the flexibility work, the strength training, uh, the more specific hurdle drills that you're doing? How much of that do you do, let's say on an average day? Um, well, stretching is pretty much a daily thing. And I have a little stretching routine that I go through that is very focused on (laughs) glutes and hips. So that is a daily thing, probably 30 minutes or less. But a couple times a week, I have uh, strength training. And like I said, there's some some hip stuff in there. And then within outdoor season and a couple months prior to outdoor season is when I'll start adding in the the drills type stuff, the the hurdle drills and all that good stuff. And so that's maybe another couple days a week, just depending on what my workouts look like. But yeah, that's yeah, it's probably like 30 minutes extra a week for those kind of things. So it's not really that big of a time commitment, I guess, but it it makes a really, really big difference to get your hips ready to go for hurdling. Yeah, for sure. And and I love how even with the drills that you're doing and the hurdle work that you're doing, it's almost like they're periodized. You know, there's a certain progression that you go through from, you know, very preseason when you're not really even thinking about the steeplechase, you're still focusing on mobility and strength. And then as you get closer and closer to the race portion of your season, you start doing more and more specific hurdle drills 
uh, and hurdle work as you get closer to those steeplechase races. And I think that's just such a great example of how intentional and specific you're being with, you know, even those small aspects of your training. I love that. Exactly. And it is a slow process building back to even being able to jump over a hurdle. I would never do that on day one of getting back into drills. It's definitely a slow progression getting back to that point just to not shock my system. And, you know, that stuff is can cause injuries to pop up pretty quick. So we're really careful and like you said, intentional about it. Yeah, I was actually just uh, at the beach with my family and I would go for a, you know, really short run on the beach and there was this big kind of like uh, water outlet pipe that was on one side of the beach. And I was like, I can hurdle this. I ran the <laughs> steeplechase when I was in college and I started running and I hurdled this thing. I only did it like three times, but my goodness, I was so sore afterward because I haven't done any of the hurdle work, the flexibility work, all the <laughs> things that went into my steeplechasing, you know, now that I'm thinking about it, Definitely. Uh, my chasing 14 years ago. So <laughs> I think I've lost a little mobility in that time. Yeah, even sometimes I'll be out on a run and there's like a low fence and I'm like, "Ooh, I'm going to hurdle over that." And I do it and I'm like, "That felt terrible. I should not have done that." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's amazing how even someone who's so good at it, you have to do it at the right time in the right dose when you are very prepared for it unless or, or it's just not going to feel good and, you know, it, it can be a risky thing to do. <laughs> exactly. Uh, I want to talk about your background a little bit, Madeline, because, or Madeline, I'm sorry, you have such a, a kind of a crazy background in almost every other sport. You know, I was researching this interview and learning more about you. You have wrestled, played baseball and basketball. You've been on a swim team. You've done gymnastics and played soccer. I'm just like, wow, this this you're like uh, the ultimate athlete. What <laughs> impact do you think all these sports have had on your development? You know, because you're you're obviously engaged in the one event in track and field that I would argue requires the most athleticism, and that's the steeplechase. And and I I can't help but think that you just gained so much from such a wide variety of sport participation as a kid. Yeah, definitely. I wouldn't trade that for the world. I definitely wasn't one of those kids that specialized in a sport from age three or whatever. Um, it's kind of crazy to hear that list of sports. It's like I forgot about all those things that I was doing. But um, in high school, I had finally dwindled it down to just a handful of sports. And I did cross country, basketball, soccer and track. And then eventually soccer phased out too by the end of high school. Um, but I am definitely a strong believer that playing multiple sports helps with a ton of things, especially burnout. Um, but even like bone density and competitiveness and things like that, I was lucky enough to not have any injuries while I was at the university of Minnesota for five years. And I definitely think that I can attribute that to playing multiple sports in high school and then also um, focusing on uh, weightlifting and stuff in high school as well. I probably hit the weights a little bit harder than most uh, track and field runners in high school just because I played basketball and it was all about, you know, bulking up for basketball season. Um, but yeah, I, I definitely am really thankful that I played so many different sports and it's kind of funny. I, 
I don't know if you found this in your research when you were looking online, but I grew up mostly abroad because my dad was a U.S. diplomat. And so we were moving around the world, honestly, every uh, one to three years. And so sports were always there for me, too, for making friends. And so I was really committed to, to being in sports all year round. Oh, yeah. I, I definitely read that about you. It's pretty incredible. And, you know, I agree 100%. When I started high school, I, you know, kind of on a whim decided to join the cross country team. And even though at the time I wasn't really into running at all, uh, I just liked the culture of the team. And it was almost like this instant friend network. Uh, and that was only even more pronounced when I went to college. And I had, you know, it was the entire distance squad from cross country and track and field. And I had instant friends and it was just an incredible experience. And when I look back on my life, you know, my, my best man at my wedding was my high school cross country co-captain. And my wife was a, a woman on the cross country team when we were in college together. So uh, I think <laughs> yeah. the sports participation is just so uh, important for you know your social development too as a kid. Yeah, I'm not even sure I know how to make friends because all my friends are just from sports teams. Um, my <laughs> wedding party looks pretty similar. I'm supposed to be getting married in September, but of course that's going to be pushed back. But you know, the majority of my bridal party is also my teammates from college. I love it. Now, uh, it's funny because, you know, yesterday, just yesterday, my wife was talking to me about how we should put our seven-year-old daughter into wrestling. And I was like, oh my goodness, I was just uh, looking up this runner I'm going to talk with tomorrow. She was on the wrestling team when she was on in first grade and uh, she was the only girl on the team. And so I'm like, well, there's the precedent. We can obviously do this. So thanks, Madeline. If my daughter wrestles, it's because of you. Yeah, it's I, I must admit, I only did wrestling for one year, but and that was in first grade. But yes, I was the only the only girl on the team. And I had just no shame. I was there to beat up on the boys. We have home videos of me just, I don't know, wrestling with all these boys at the meets. And it's, it's pretty funny to watch. Yeah. But at the same time, I bet it was just amazing for your family to watch you beat up on the boys. <laughs> it definitely was. My, my grandpa was really proud of me for being in wrestling. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> yeah, I love it. You know, my wife and I were talking like, oh my goodness, what's going to happen? Are we going to get pushback from our family? And I was like, I don't think so. I think if we, if we put our daughter into wrestling, then it, they're just going to be impressed because I, I don't <laughs> think my daughter would do poorly. I think she would crush. And, uh, despite wrestling a bunch of boys, you know, she's going to be in second grade now, but, uh, I think it'd be really good for her, for her. And frankly, the gender thing, it doesn't really matter to me in, at all. You know, I think if, if a girl wants to throw around another person uh, in an organized sport, then let's do it. Exactly. <laughs> now, um, I, I want to talk a little bit about uh, your competitive drive. And you did mention this as, as kind of one of the byproducts of you participating in all these sports and, and not focusing so much on running so early. And uh, I was watching this video of uh, a coach on your team, and he said that you were a great competitor. So I'd love to dive into this a little bit more. What do you think makes a great competitor? Well, for me, I know that I compete best when I have confidence. And um, I've spent a lot of time figuring out 
what gives me confidence and what builds that and takes a lot of honest self-reflection and potentially even some outside help from a coach or a sports psychologist to get just really honest about um, where the gaps are in your mental game and making a plan of action, I guess, based off that. And so I think that has really helped me to build my confidence and then therefore make me a better competitor. And it also just comes with experience. I I think that the more you race at any level, the more confident you get and the more competitive you'll get. But um, in terms of building my own confidence, I definitely feel most confident when I can string together consistent training and look back on that and know that I've done everything I can when I'm on that start line to prepare for the race. For sure. Yeah. And I think when a lot of people look at pro runners, you know, they see the highlights, they see the Instagram shots, but I I think it's really heartening to hear you talk about the work you've put in to build this valuable mental skill of confidence because it doesn't happen overnight. And, you know, certain things have to happen for you to then be confident. And uh, I think the power in that is knowing that the reflection and the work is really needed to get to a high level of confidence where you believe in your abilities, you believe in what you can do, and, you know, you bring that to the starting line or, or really to any workout, long run, whatever it might be. Um, can you go into a little bit more detail on on what some of that work looks like for you? Yeah, and just to be clear, my confidence also totally wavers a bit. Um, it's, you know, I've been dealing with injuries for two years. And so I've had to get creative about different ways to build my confidence besides looking back on the consistency that I've had, because in college, that was a given I wasn't injured, I had five years straight of uh, nearly perfect training, you know, and so that was what gave me confidence was flipping back through my training journal, and seeing all the work that I'd put in. But I think that now it looks a little bit different. And I think that a big piece of it is just the the self-reflection. Like I think through every workout now and we have a little messaging channel, I guess you could call it that we post in after every workout that we do on our team. And that just forces me to think through my workout and what I did well and what I could maybe improve on for next time. And I write it in my training journal too. And so I think that all those things, like thinking back intentionally through what I'm doing, it really helps me with my confidence. I know for me personally, uh, having that training log, that training journal is just so critical because uh, I'm someone who just, I'm very visual. I like to see things. And if I can have a visual representation of all of the work that I've done, it's very helpful for my confidence levels. So, you know, I used to have a a paper and pencil log, you know, it's just a notebook. And, you know, I think the the big thing now is for everyone to have an online training log, but you know, there's something about being able to hold it and, and being able to look at it like that, that I think is very powerful. And I would always do a weekly summary where I summarize some of the key metrics I was, you know, focusing on at the time, but then also just more qualitatively how I felt and how I thought the week went. 
Um, and then I was also tracking things like monthly mileage and annual mileage. And at least for me, I just loved seeing the, the, the data that represented all the hard work I was doing. And that training log was such a boost to my confidence because, you know, you can't argue with it. I did the work, you know, it's there. You can look back on it and see it. And for me, that was something I always thought about and I brought it to my races and I think it was just so helpful. Yeah, I do the exact same thing. I I have a pen and paper log um, that I like to have with me at all times too. And I'm also a sucker for some of those metrics and I love adding them up and looking back through. But even during the times when I've not been able to run as much as I wanted, had to take time off for injury, let something calm down or whatever, I still fill it out. And that's because I'm doing other things. Like even if it's just a time when I'm doing virtually nothing because I just need to be recovering, like I will write that and I will reflect on that and how that is benefiting me and my long-term goals because I spent the week just even taking a mental break from the sport or whatever and just like focusing on how that will positively impact me and my long-term goals. Or if I've spent the week building strength and in something that was a weakness or addressing a imbalance that I have over a month, whatever it is, I like to mark that down as something that I accomplished. Yeah. And I think what you're talking about too, is this difference between kind of the physical aspect of training, you know, logging how how many miles that you did in a given month versus, you know, the mental side of things. And, and both are so valuable and we shouldn't strictly focus on, you know, the physical side of training and nor on just how we feel every single day. Because if you don't, you know, you could feel mediocre most days, but you know, if you're still getting in the work and crushing your workouts and all that, like there's still a lot to be proud of there. Um, but I, I think the mental side is, is, you know, if not as important, maybe even more important because it's your, it's your mental relationship with the sport that's going to affect, you know, your drive to train and your level of confidence and so many things that impact how well you train. Yeah. And it's easy to have a workout that doesn't go exactly how you wanted to, you know, you had paces to hit or whatever, and you were way off and to chalk that up as a loss. But I, I never do that. I never chalk up a workout as a loss. There's always something to learn from it, or there's a reason why you felt that way. And you can look back through your training to figure out why you felt that way. Or even sometimes it's intentional for you to feel like garbage going into a workout and just you have to figure out a way to deal with it. And as a woman too, there's, you know, a big chunk of the month where you're not going to feel at your best while you're working out. And so that's just a whole nother factor to, to log and keep track of how you're feeling just depending on, um, where you are in your cycle too. Yeah, for sure. That's an important uh, aspect to your training as well. Um, now Madeline, most of the time I ask, you know, runners that I'm talking to when their next race is, what they're, what they're going to be doing over the next one, two, three months. <laughs> um, but you're base training and you're getting ready for a time trial. Uh, what else are you looking forward to this year uh, with your running? Um, well, just putting in the work, I guess. Yeah. I, I'm just excited to, to have this base in my legs because since I've, since I've been on this team, I came, I came on with an injury and then it's just been a little bit turbulent since then. And I just feel like I'm always catching up and trying to like rush back for something. And so 
it feels really good to be at a place of consistency and just not to feel that rush, I guess. And so I guess that's what I'm looking forward to is just kind of operating on my own timeline since there isn't really one. And there's virtually no races that are important to get back for. And so I'm just really, really excited to be on my own timeline. And when it makes sense to have that time trial, I get to do it and I get to feel prepared and like I've done it my own way. And so I guess that's mostly what I'm looking forward to. Of course, I am very excited for the return of quote unquote real races. Um, But yeah, my priority is just the training for right now. Yeah. Like you, you described racing in a great way just now. You said the rush of it all. And that's so true. I don't think anybody here on the show has ever described it as a rush, but it is right. It's such a thrill and runners are being deprived of that thrill right now. So if we can just stay strong and focus on the process and set ourselves up for a great 2021, then we'll be able to take advantage of that thrill of racing. Um, Madeline, this was so fun. I, I had a real uh, great time talking with you and learning more about you know your thoughts on training and your career. Uh, where can all your new fans follow along with your running? Because I understand that you have a website and I know you're pretty active on Instagram, right? Yes, I'm on Instagram at mstrandamo and um, pretty much on any social network on that same username. I'm also on Strava if anybody wants more details about my training. I upload my runs every day. That's awesome. Well, Madeline, this was so great. Thanks so much for making the time and sharing your journey with us. I so appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. And there we have it. I love talking to pro runners at the beginning of their careers. And I hope that Madeline not only has a healthy summer and fall season, but a fast one as well. Do visit her site to learn more about her at madelinestrandamo.com or follow her on Instagram at mstrandamo. We also have links to her website, social media handles, and other resources that we discussed on the show at strengthrunning.com. And another big thanks to Path Projects for supporting this podcast. They have redesigned their website recently and launched a bunch of new products, including the new Sykes 3-inch shorts that I'm loving. I talked about them earlier. And if you're in the market for new shorts or maybe just a new baseliner or running shirt, I highly recommend them. You've probably noticed that I'm wearing a lot of their gear in my latest YouTube videos. Is that good that I wear their stuff whenever it's clean? That's because they use a Japanese fiber called Tore Prime Flex. It's strong, it's light, and it's really durable. Plus, because they're online only and they don't have any retail markup, their stuff is affordable. I can't say enough good things about this company, so I hope you'll see what they're all about at pathprojects.com. That's it for me today. I hope you're well, safe, and healthy. I hope this episode was insightful and that your running is moving forward. Until next time. <laughs>